just been trying to kind of find my groove and trying to get refocused, just find the love in running and not get too wrapped up in the, I've got to do this workout, or I've got to do that, especially when we don't have a race. So I'm just kind of pulling it back a little bit. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode seven of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. I had such a blast sitting down with my guest this week, Amanda Rycraft, a.k.a. Run with Amanda. Our paths first crossed about three and a half years ago when I had the opportunity to fly down to Austin, Texas to meet with the Team Road Crazies for a 30-mile new nutrition run. Good times. We bonded and began to follow each other on Strava, Facebook, and Instagram and track each other's running journeys. I've had a chance to see her a lot over the past couple of years at races, and we always enjoy each other's companies. Amanda's got a wonderful passion and enthusiasm for life, enjoys our running scene, and is a great ambassador for our sport. Most recently, we got to spend some quality time in Berlin last fall when we were both racing over there last September. We had a chance to hit the expo, grab a meal or two, and even had a chance to sit down the night before the show and record the Run Chats podcast trailer episode. Always fun times when we're hanging together. So what did we talk about in this episode? We covered how just five years ago, Amanda had kind of plateaued in the half marathon specifically, and how 134 was a time that she was stuck at and couldn't seem to get any further. And her big goal at that point and her dream was to just find a way to get under 130. Flash forward to just recently down to the Woodlands Half Marathon, and what did Amanda run? 124. Literally nine minutes faster than just four years ago. So massive breakthrough, which really led to what sort of changes had she been making in her approach to running? What was new? What was different? And what did she feel was having an impact? So some of the key areas we covered were, what was new at Team Rogue? What new training partners was she working with and rolling with? And specifically on the racing side, she teamed up with Ashley Shager, and they ran a huge chunk of that race together. And I know that had a real impact on Amanda's great day down there at the Woodlands, for sure. We talked about getting treated uh, regularly by her sports chiro, Dr. Moose, a.k.a. the Witch Doctor, and how that helps to keep her healthy. And that is easily the best name for any sports doctor I've ever heard. The Witch Doctor, you've just won for best nickname. Nutritionist and dietitian. She had some issues in her last two marathons in Berlin and CIM with her stomach not really feeling good in races, feeling bloated, and just not being able to absorb her nutrients properly and, and feel like her fueling was working, her fueling game was working. So after having blood work done, she found out she had a gluten intolerance, a dairy intolerance, and casein issues. And by taking those things out of her diet, has noticed some significant improvement. So no question, that's had an impact on some of her recent racing performances and also over her overall health and how she's feeling. Another area we covered was mobility, strength, and imbalances. 
she's got a, a local class that she's able to take in the Austin area with Mallory and Jason Brooks that focuses on those areas. And she claims that that has definitely been helping her as well. In addition, she stepped out of the box altogether and started working with a hypnotherapist to focus on her mindset and had really great things to say about what that's like and how that has helped her of late. And then her uh, hypnotherapist's name is Dr. Laura Ryan. I'll tag that in the show notes as well. And I know one thing for sure, her old coach, Steve Sisson, AKA the Sorcerer, is always at the top of his game, coaching athletes and getting the best out of them on the performance side. So the two of them being reunited is definitely gotta be having a solid impact, a strong impact on her running as well. So we talked about how all of those things fit in and how they've kind of helped take her running to another level of late. One of my favorite things of all we discussed was finding the love in running and how it keeps us grounded. Anyway, that's pretty much some of the key points that we discussed. I hope you all enjoy this convo as much as Amanda and I did. So let's dive on in. Welcome to Run Chats at Ron Runs NYC. It's so good to see you on Zoom and hear your voice. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Ron? <laughs> oh, man. We are all cooped up and going stir crazy, as you know what. But it's so good to see your face, man. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Just, um, yeah, uh, just trying to uh, just keep running. And um, other than that, that's pretty much it. Um, I lost my job and that's not kind of a Debbie Downer, but other than that, everything else has been pretty good. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your job. So we should just le- definitely mention that. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. Um, I've had a furlough of like 110 people in my company and we've never had any layoffs ever. And hopefully when this thing, you know, gets sorted out, you know, maybe in a couple of months time, uh, a bunch of, or all of those people will come back. And I certainly hope for you the job market prospects will be okay. Um, cause yeah, it's just, I think it'll be fine. yeah, it's just whenever you don't have a job, it just kind of makes you rethink and reset everything. So I know I'm not the only one out there. There's a lot of people that don't. So, but it's still, it's still tough to process on top of everything else. So I just, I send you good thoughts and, and good wishes. And, um, uh, you know, this, it could be a good time for you just to, you know, to reset, you know, and just focus on, you know, what's important, what's important to you, obviously. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, pretty much good practical advice for anybody, but, uh, it's awesome that we finally got together. Cause for anybody who's been a listener of run chats from the beginning, my girl, Amanda and I, we were hanging in Berlin up in my <laughs> hotel room and we did the original run chats podcast shakeout. I'm not sure any other podcast has ever done a shakeout before, <laughs> but I am so, so clueless getting this podcast off the ground with technology and not knowing what the hell I was doing. I figured we better do a trial run. So Amanda came up, we hung in my room and we, uh, you know, we just checked the mic and the, and the equipment and the recording stuff. And we had a blast and we did some videos. And so we, we've been like trying to pull this thing off for a while. So it's so awesome that we're finally getting to do this. Yeah. That was a good time in Berlin. We were so silly. Yeah. 
Yeah. We've been trying to do our practice run through with the bottles. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we may, I think for Instagram stories to promote this episode, I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to rebirth those. Those are going to have to come out of hiding the bottle. Oh, yeah. We we said it for anybody listening at home, uh, for anybody who has not had the chance to run Berlin yet and hopefully does get a chance to, because it's a fabulous major and tremendously fast course and just super great place to go visit. Great country, uh, great city. You can actually do your own bottles on the tables. The amateur athletes have the ability to mix up their own bottles, even if it were just water bottles. And we just had so much fun with that, decorating our bottles and putting wacky designs on them. And we set them up at our hotel room and uh, put them on the table. And we practiced doing run-bys of grabbing our bottles, which, yeah, that's definitely, that's going to be part of this episode at some point for sure. Did you get all your bottles, Ron? <laughs> yeah, actually I got, I think I got like four of them. I'm pretty sure, which believe me, it made a, I'm sure it made a difference. It helped. Um, I did miss a couple, but it was really more on me than anything else. I just didn't get over quick enough or, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So um, for people listening at home, Amanda is an awesome runner um, who's just been killing it for the couple of years that I've been following her on Instagram. And Amanda, what's your Instagram again? Because I think you changed your name recently. <laughs> I changed it after Berlin because I needed a new chapter. Um, run underscore with underscore Amanda. Ah, there we go. So of course we'll link that in the show notes, but Amanda is from the Austin area and I met her a couple of years back when I decided that I wanted to go down there and do a 30 mile no nutrition run with the team Rogue Crazies and meet my man, Steve Sisson and uh, Chris McClung and a bunch of other folks that I was doing virtual training with. It was um, the Rogue Renegade Group. I gave us our name, the Renegades, because of course I'm a renegade and I just thought it was a fun name. And thankfully our group voted that in. And uh, it ended up a bunch of uh, the people in my virtual training group went out there that day and hooked up to do the 30 mile no nutrition. And that's where Amanda and I met for the first time. And I met Steve and Chris and a number of the other uh, Team Rogue athletes. And you know, they looked at me and said, like, who is this guy and how could he possibly talk for 30 miles straight of running and not shut up? So yeah, that's where we, that's where we met for the first time, right? Yeah. I was kind of like, um, a little bit out of it. Cause once you hit like mile 26.2, you're kind of like just done. And then you realize, oh wait, you have, I think it was like our cutoff was like four hours or, um, yeah, four hours or 30 miles. So by the time we got to 26.2, just trying to plow through those last couple miles, I was pretty delirious. And all I remember is coming up beside y'all on Expo and you were just still chatting and I had nobody with me. And I was just, God dang it. How can you freaking talk like that the whole time? And at the same time, I could barely even like, like, I don't know keep my thoughts together because I was so delirious. <laughs> yeah. For any, for any of y'all, I'll give you my y'all since we're talking yeah. Austin here. For any of y'all out there who have never done a no nutrition run, well, add a little degree of difficulty and take it out to 30 miles. And then of course you got the Hills of Austin on top of it all too. So that was, that was a super fun run. And um, my first chance really to get a, a true view of like what Team Rogue is all about and be down there in your in the retail store itself, which has the CrossFit place next door and everybody stretching before the run and just that whole sense of community, which remind reminded me so much of my own club team back here in New York City, Central Park Track Club. And, you know, at times like this, what a great uh, discussion track or talk track. 
Uh, we need community now more than ever, and we're so cut off. I mean, we're all so isolated, and so many of us are used to, um, you know, we we just get fulfillment and massive energy from running with our training partners and doing our hard workouts together. So how is that affecting you right now? Because I know I know what it's doing for me. So how is that affecting you right now? It's been pretty um, tough, um, especially knowing we don't have any races to kind of train for. Um, the first week we were like, I guess, kind of shut down. Um, we did our workout and everything was fine. But I guess by that time, the second week came around, everybody was social distancing. And um, we were just trying to, I don't know, I guess just decide if staying together as a group was smart um, because you can get sighted if, you know, there's more than whatever, 10. So Steve ended up pulling the um, plug on that and uh, the group kind of continued to meet one more week. But after that, um, I really haven't done any true speed work. I've just been taking it easy and just trying to kind of find my groove and trying to get refocused work on strength and just trying to get it like back into it and just kind of re like just find the love in running and not get too wrapped up in the, I've got to do this workout. Or I've got to do that. Especially when we don't have a race knowing I've never really, you know, taken a real true break in between marathoning. So, uh, I would say, yeah, I'm just kind of pulling it back a little bit. That's, I think it's really a sound approach for yourself, but it's also good advice for anybody listening. You know, when, when you're, we're in such a holding pattern um, and, and it could be quite further out that anybody's even really thinking at this point before we really truly are going to be lining up for races. Sure. Maybe we might be doing some local trail races or local five K's and 10 K's in, in the areas we live. If you don't live in major places like Austin or New York city, it might be more likely that you'll be getting some opportunities to do that sooner than us in, in larger population cities. But the truth is it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be bare minimum fall, bare minimum before any real racing goes on. I'm not sure about any of the majors at this point. So I think it's great that you're um, taking a practical um, approach and I don't think there's ever been a better time to, um, in business, we do self-assessments all the time, you know, strengths and weaknesses. We study, you know, our vulnerabilities, you know, call it a post-mortem, you know, after you win or lose business, you know, or a race, like where did you fail? Where did you succeed? What can you work on? Where can you improve? So strength is great. Um, foam rolling, balance, all that kind of stuff. Anything you can do to shore up uh, any sort of weaknesses that you might have that could lead to injuries or maybe have caused injuries before. It's a perfect time to work on this stuff. Yeah. I've been trying to work a lot on uh, mobility because mobility, like I've always had like this right hip drop and it's gotten better. I do have like a number of people I work with as far as like our, my chiropractor, Dr. Moose, or I call him my witch doctor, but he keeps me <laughs> pretty, you know, aligned. <laughs> and um, I have a dietitian, and then on top of that, um, I do CrossFit on top of that. So I just feel like if there's any time to kind of do it, it's now. So I've been doing a lot of, like, I guess you would call it mobility. It's more stuff you're not really using weights or, you know. Well, I remember just when I started first getting involved following you on Instagram and we started to get to know each other, I always remember you doing a lot of uh, Pilates posts and strength posts and things like that. And I think it's one of the reasons that you're able to run 
a lot of races and a lot of miles and hold up. So is that something you really enjoy personally? I enjoyed Pilates. It's just um, between running and I guess it was maybe the class I was going to. Um, they were like, your legs are already shot. It's like you going to a spin class, your legs are already shot and they really worked your legs in that class and a lot of core, which I like the core, but I just couldn't maintain the, um, the leg like workouts when my legs were shot Yeah, <laughs> on some days, but yeah, no, I do like a lot of, uh, Planks and you know sit-ups and stuff like that. Um, and top of like that mobility class, uh, I'm using one of the one of the people that own Spectrum Racing here. It's a husband and wife, Jason Brooks and Mallory. They both have um, a mobility class that they're doing on Rogues um, Facebook right now. So I've just been trying to do that with them. She works with a lot of uh, Team Rogue athletes and. Uh, I've seen a lot of them get stronger and just run better just from having all those little things, you know, to work on. That's, that's fantastic. Cause you're, you're taking a, a wider view, um, a broader view of your situation right now. And before we popped on, we, we were talking about some new things that you have been doing, um, which will, which I'm really looking forward to getting into that discussion. You know, I think just, I like to just put it out there that I'm, I'm not only talking to the runner who's in front of me, or in this case on the zoom screen, I always want to, <laughs> I want to talk to our whole audience. I want to talk to the run chats audience and just, just now, you know, get out of that mode of worrying about when a race is going to be run again right now. You know, you said it, I tag a lot of my posts for the love of the game. Like just, just go back to your purest sense of when you were a kid and you ran across a schoolyard and you just loved playing running games, you know, whether it was tag or ringy or anything else, hide and seek, like just if you love running and it's not a burden and you stop worrying about mileage or how fast you need to run, my God, if anybody's following me on Strava and saw some of the paces I'm running, well, but you also notice those pictures I'm taking, man, because <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I feel like I have a responsibility because a lot of my friends that live around the world, my international friends are isolated right now. I mean, when I say isolated, they can't run outside. My friends from Guatemala, my friends from Italy, from Spain or Poland, um, they have far more restrictions or full on restrictions. And I feel like I'm sharing that extra little bit with them. So um, right now, it's just not important to me. First off, there are no tracks. I can't really do any real workout outside anywhere. There's, I'm not running with any of my teammates at all, not even social distance running, just not. I'm completely avoiding everyone. Um, I'm running. I was running at midnight on a lot of runs, which was really, oh my a, gosh. it was amazing, Amanda, like pictures of the Statue of Liberty. And, I and saw that. Lower, I saw yeah. Yeah. In uh, Times Square. Yeah. I mean, do not see it's like a ghost town it starts to remind me of that movie i am legend <laughs> yes well <laughs> no one's around <laughs> i i love that i love that you said that because i said it on on the a to z podcast i felt like i was it was an outtake of a movie it did not feel like it was real like you can't run up 42nd street and have no one there no cars or no people and then make a left and go right through times square where we finished the new york city half last year. And there's literally the only people out there are photographers with their cameras on tripod shooting because they're never going to get a chance to shoot with no one like that. Yeah. So it's a great time to, to, re to reassess and re really take a look at what's going on. And um, so I, I know last year our paths crossed in the New York city half and 
I know for, for people out there that we're all reaching for certain goals or shooting for certain goals. At the time, Amanda is a total badass. She's a kick-ass runner, but she hadn't broken 130 and a half yet. And I remember her and Roger were in town and um, we did a couple of shakeout runs and then we all went out and had a really fun dinner I, the night before or two nights before the New York City half. And I remember going, what? How's that possible? She didn't run at 130. She's an awesome runner. She'll, she's going to do it. But, but you know, like these goals and these numbers, until we break through, we haven't done it. And I remember that day, you know, I didn't see you at all. I didn't see you at all. I didn't see you at all. And of course, that's not a shock. However many, you know, thousands, like 20,000 runners probably in the New York City have. And we're barreling through Times Square, like maybe like 11 and a half miles in. And there I hear Amanda come zooming up by me. And I'm like, yeah, let's go, man. We're going to get you there. We're going to get you your sub 130. And I don't know, I probably rolled with her for like two blocks. And she just like crop dusted me and was gone. Uh, which no, really, I'll never forget that. Yeah. And neither, and neither will I. And I mean, in the best possible way, because... <laughs> I remember thinking like, well, I know I'm going to run something in the 128s. I didn't know where, but I knew if you just drop me at like 11 and a half, there's, you're, you're going to not only break 130, but you're going to go way lower. And you ended up running 127, 46 that day. And I was, you know, you probably put just about a minute on me around there. I think I ran 128 in the 40s or so. And we had a great hug after the finish and we had some great pictures and, you know, that's how you break through. And that was like a start for you to this path that you're on. So that was your first sub 130. And then recently at Woodlands down in Texas, tell me about that race, because that is like a full blown breakthrough. That was like, no, that was out of this world. Um, first of all, I haven't ever had good luck on a flat course, whether it be Berlin, Chicago, there's always something that gets like a little twisted, even though they're perfect courses. And I just haven't figured out how to um, execute when I'm there. So um, I've heard about Woodland and it was flat. Um, you know how Austin is, it's hilly as hell. So to run like a flat course was just something I wanted to do to just kind of test my fitness. And, um, yeah, uh, like I said, uh, I don't know. It was magical day. I went out, um, I was supposed to stay conservative and I had a girlfriend, Ashley Shager, who I don't like run with her group, but I know that she's around my pace. She's a little bit faster than me. And she had already ran in Louisiana really super fast. And she was running the woodlands with me. We drove down together. We talked about it. We were like, okay, this is a game plan. So, uh, of course she was signed up as an elite. And by the time I try to sign up, cause now I'm a master's, it changed like it actually be an elite as a master's. Um, they didn't have any more spots. So the lady who was awesome, as far as like the uh, uh, race director, she made sure I was up at the front because I had emailed back and forth and correspond that I wanted to try and place in the masters. So she got me a good spot. The gun went off. Of course, it was like the perfect temperature that morning. It was like, I think like 50 something probably like 52 or something, no wind, uh, barely any humidity. Uh, we take off all of a sudden I catch up to Ashley and I was just glad I had somebody to run with, but she was pushing the pace so hard that honestly, Ron, I thought like in my Strava, whatever, depending on how the race went, my thing was the 
my whole headline of that day would have been the day Ashley killed Amanda. (laughs) 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 Because she pushed me so hard, Ron. I didn't even know what to do. We were going so fast in that first uh, 10K. We came through around 3908 or 3909. And that was like a 618 pace. And I was like, oh my gosh. And all I remember is Steve's telling me, your race starts at mile 10 where the hill is. And I was just like, oh God, I hope I have something to kick at that. So that was like my whole thought process of just that race is just go out, hold on as hard as you, or go as hard as you can, hold on as long as you can to her. And she fell off at mile eight, which she was having trouble breathing. And honestly, I think she was, she was doing a great job. I just don't know. She, it just, she didn't have it that day. And, um, I was just like, no, don't leave me. And I run (laughs) and I just keep going. And then all I could think is like, there's so many times where I just wanted to be like, stop and quit. But, um, uh, I've actually been using this like hypnotherapist and this is where, like this hypnotherapy came in. Um, it sounds silly and dumb, but at the same time, um, I kind of felt like after Berlin, I needed something to change that. So uh, she made me, my hypnotherapist use like, um, like thing that you listen to three times a day. And basically it was for my race. And it was weird that you would like have an object that you like held like close to your heart and then you would have the color of it and what it looked like. And the funny thing is, is I envisioned that it was a heart and it was fuchsia pink. Cause that's like my favorite color. And as I like was fighting in the end of that race, anytime anybody went by me in those zoom, uh, pink 4% or whatever they're called, uh, I would just be like, there's your heart. You got to go. You got to quit playing around. You're not dying. You're okay. Keep fighting. And uh, yeah, I came around the corner. I didn't really know where the finish line really was. So I didn't know when to kick. And then all of a sudden I turned the corner and it's right there. And yeah, I saw 124 change as soon as I was turning. And it was probably 100 yards. So yeah, I, I mean, I came through and I was elated. I was so ecstatic and happy. And at the same time, I just like, I don't know, you know, I, I think that working with that hypnotherapist has helped me to just kind of help like get over that barrier of that block of you. I don't know, whenever I feel like there's something I can't break it, it's, it just switches your mind and it helps you get through it. You know, I think it's great that you, um, that you shared that. Um, I have not, uh, I've heard of many elite runners, you know, using like performance coaches and, um, mindset coaches, and they're all labeled different things, if you will, you know, to, to really help you focus on the mental side of our sport, which is huge. Um, I think that's probably where Kipchoge wins. I think that's where he exceeds and beats us all. Um, because he's just seems at peace, no matter what, what happens? I mean, he's had his sock liner of his shoe fall out at Berlin in the first 5K of the race and ran 23 point something miles with a sock liner flapping behind his calf and still decimated the field. I mean, any other human on earth would have just been like, what? What just happened? Uh, my fucking yeah. race is screwed. Like, I don't believe this shit happened to me. Like, I can't believe this. Like, you know, or they would have stopped and like taken it out and, you know, they would have been like five minutes behind. Like, 
he's just seemingly on another level. So I think it's wonderful that you um, found this person and you're working on some strategies like that. And, and it worked. It worked in that particular race. And who knows um, if you run into a difficult patch in a race, if you could channel that as well. Like in my mind, you did hit a difficult patch because the the, the person you were rolling with who is, you said normally a little bit ahead of you or someone that you were fighting to hold on to early, you said she was going to kill you in your Strava title. Um, she struggled. So in a way, that could have been a part that you could have been like, oh, now I don't have her to work with. You know, what am I going to do? Like, or you might have just dialed it back, but you you kept your foot on the accelerator. You kept gunning it. You kept, yeah. you, my, my expression, you stayed in the fight, baby. You stayed yeah. in there. You I stayed in the fight. stayed in the fight. <laughs> And you had you had your man Sisson telling you you raced didn't start till mile ten, of course. Which you know, you know, he's always he's always throwing the threats down, man. You know, it's always like you know. But we, I knew he'd be looking. You know, yeah, I knew he of would look. And to be honest, I lost a little bit of time, but um, it was like five to ten seconds either way, and I got right back into it because there was a hill. And like one thing about uh, the the woodlands is it's so flat. Honestly, Ron, I felt like I was running downhill. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's really nice. Cause we, it's very similar. Like, you know, I train in the park a lot and you know how hilly the park is, which is just like Austin, but you also have like that lady bird trail or lady bird Johnson where that lake is, which is nice and flat over in Austin for you guys. And the same thing where I live on my side of the water is pancake flat. So if I want to run flat areas, I mean, I can run flat. I could run on the New York side of the water and take the ferry and have flat miles and maybe just do some interval miles on the road. Cause there's no tracks right now. But it is interesting for us who run in hills a lot, for the for the runners out there that run a lot of hills or maybe run a lot of trails and hills. When you get on a flat course, you would think it's automatically going to pay off. And it's not always the case, right? Because you talked about that, like even when you, you haven't had good success. So that's that's great that you had that. Because to go, so 130, you go 127, 46 in New York, and then you go 124, 18 in the Woodlands. I mean, that's like major, major breakthrough for you. Like big time, like... Clap. It took me like five years to break my 134. And where I broke that was in New York, which was a hard course. Oh, yeah. But, oh, you were right when you get into that, <laughs> into the uh, central park. I was just like, oh my gosh. I just remember seeing the 400 yards and then I saw 200 and I was like, okay, you need to start kicking. Yeah. And it was like, it's yep. uphill. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that is no, that last hill in the park <laughs> is no fun at all in the new half course. No, it's, it's not fun coming around that bend and then going up that hill. I, I know every, every little incline there. And I was just like, get me the hell out of here. Like, are you kidding me? Like, right. get me, get me over this friggin' line already, man. It's time to party. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, those were, those were really good times. So that's cool. So that's one area of change that you've had. And I know you also talked about after CIM, um, you were doing some other investigation just on other things that you were looking into. So tell me a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. So in Berlin and CIM, actually, I was trying to work with my dietitian um, because uh, Berlin, I had a lot of stomach issues. CIM, I just 
think it was like a hot day and I just really didn't prepare in my head that with the humidity and the heater or not the heater, but like it being a little bit warm that day, Mm -hmm. um, I should have adjusted my race in a way, whether it be a minute or so, but I didn't. So I went out hard at CIM, uh, by mile 14, the wheels fell off and I just hung on for dear life. But, um, in this kind of, uh, break between the two races, I had done some blood work and also, um, just worked with the dietitian to figure out what I'm sensitive to found out I was sensitive to gluten, rye, wheat, dairy, every type of dairy, goat milk, casein. Um, so after CIM, I started to take all of that stuff out of my diet. And to be honest, uh, within like three weeks, I just felt like amazing. And I don't know. I'm just saying if you're having issues like with your stomach or something like that, it's definitely what you're putting in your body. And it's weird because all of the stuff that I ate before Berlin were things I was sensitive to. And it's no wonder whether it be the jet lag that I had stomach issues, you know, that day. So um, with that, I just feel like it's just, I don't know if it's like made me lose weight, but I felt less bloated and I just feel like on top of my game right now, even though I'm not doing speed work, I just feel really, really good. You know, that's, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times when we travel far to these majors, um, you know, you go to Tokyo, you go to Berlin, you know, and you're crossing in the international date line when you go to Tokyo or Berlin is not quite doesn't have that kind of impact on your body for us coming from New York, but it's certainly a significant impact. It takes a couple of days to get settled. London's, you know, similar as well. Um, a lot of times we, we do want to blame it on that. Yeah. We're jet lagged. I just didn't feel like myself and have energy. Well, you know what? Our nutrition and what we're eating does have a lot to do with it. And then also there's the other thing, which most people just really don't pay enough attention to is when we're flying on those long flights, man, we get dehydrated to begin with. And I know one thing, I'm not passing up on alcohol. A lot of my friends don't drink alcohol at all, period. And they don't ever drink it. And a lot of them that are serious about a race or maybe a couple of races, they'll just completely abstain leading up to a race. But you know that's not the case for me. So if I'm drinking some alcohol and I'm not getting enough water and I'm flying on a plane, man, that's a serious dehydration prescription right there. And now if you're eating some foods that your body isn't processing well and handling well, and it's creating bloating issues and and gas and other things, that's a prescription for, hey, I'm not going to have a great day. And then you think like, hey, man, where did my training go wrong? Maybe I didn't do enough mileage. Maybe I didn't do enough tempo runs. And you know, we start examining all the stuff in our Strava feeds and we start looking through our logbooks. but you know what? There's a lot more to that puzzle than yeah. just the miles we're running. Absolutely. So good for you for, for figuring, figuring that out. So make sure you, um, tell us, um, so I can tag these different folks in the show notes, you know, who your nutritionist was, who your therapist was, because this way, anybody who's you know, following along in the show, if they want to do some research on it, if they happen to be from Austin and they want to look up any of those people, but um, it helps people, you know, figure, figure, yeah, figure their own, their own piece of the puzzle out, if you will. I definitely will do that. So, um, with no races right now, you know, obviously the sub three we know is going to happen. 
You know, when you when you can knock out a one twenty four, and I don't care if it was one of those downhill races, that's still that's still balling. <laughs> that's still balling, man. I mean, that's like plus twelve minutes because the old rule of doubling and adding ten minutes was always what people would do for a half, and then other people say double it and add eight. So you you've got some real cushion there now, but you're also getting stronger, which is really important. And then for the people out there that are haven't been into the cycle for a long enough time. It really takes quite a few years to become proficient in the marathon. Yeah, there's some amazing stories like, you know, um, you know, just some of the people that I've had recently on my show, like Casey Kilareski, who goes out and, you know, runs a 253 in her first marathon, and then she runs 243 in CIM. But Casey's situation is different. I mean, she was a she was a really good college runner, and then she became like an ultra competitive cyclist with like a cycling team. So she had like massive cardio and aerobic buildup and power, and just hadn't had the time with children and other things going on in her life to really put the training together. And now she's starting to see the results. And then my recent guest, Andy Ripley from A to Z running, you heard her story is almost the same in mean, her and Casey. You could take their two stories and like literally mash them together. Cause her first marathon, she runs two fifty five, basically pushing her son or doing 20 <laughs> milers with her son in a jogging stroller and, roll, and rolls out. And, yeah. She, <laughs> she throws down two fifty five for that. And then going through her Chicago cycle, she, has two hip labrum tears, not one, two. So she had to take time off for both of those getting ready for Chicago, doesn't wear a watch on race day, rolls out, gets in a group with, with ladies that are rolling out, running six tens. And she's like, oops, I guess I'll just keep going. And then she throws down her 243 and, and gets to Atlanta. And I just love, I love hearing stories like that. But most times it's a deliberate path like you've been on of getting stronger you know, getting used to the mileage and slowly, and your body is adapting over time. And then the speed, I never questioned that you had that, but it's great to see it paying off with a 124 and a 124 low, by the way, 124.18. I mean, you're, you're really knocking on the door. So I think what you've got going right now is clearly working and I need to stay on that path and keep exploring further and as far as training, you're you're working with Steve, right? As far as on the yeah. coaching side, good. Yeah, Steve's coaching me back again. <laughs> good. Send send the the and man my best, the sorcerer. You know, absolutely. I'll take. Yeah, the sorcerer is uh, near and dear to my heart. And here's a bag of Cheetos. We'll show him. He's not here, but oh you know, yeah, the bag of Cheetos <laughs> for the episode, as always. So um. You know, for the fall, do you have any potential? Are you in any races if they are going to take place at this point? Well, now that they um, moved Boston, I wasn't going to do Boston, even though I had originally signed up just as a backup for um, in case I didn't get into London. Um, but, but because they were six days apart, I um, I just couldn't do it. My husband was like, no, you're not going to do this. You're going to tear up your body. I mean, obviously you do it every year, but <laughs> <laughs> he was like, financially, no, you're not doing. It. Um, so now that they are 20 days apart, I am hoping that at least Boston will go off so I can do Boston. And then if we're lucky enough to have London or if any of them, I'm signed up for Boston, London, and New York. Oh, that's, so, that's so cool. I, I'm I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy because that means that, you know, and again, not, we both know, we don't know what's going to happen. None of us do. 
Um, but if it does happen, that means I'll get to see you three times. Then I'll get to see Simon yeah. and, and we'll get to have some fun. Um, I think one thing that could definitely help, because a lot of people, you know, they I think it's just your outlook on life. Do you see the glass half full or half empty? Like, you know, I hear people complaining like, oh, it's going to be too hot in Boston. I'm just like, oh, come on. Like, put the violin away. Suck it up. Grow a set. Like, okay, you get a chance to run the Boston Marathon. Guess what? If it's hot, then train to run in the heat. So, you know what? It's like if the course is hilly, you run hills. You run what the race requires. Isn't that Sisson's famous line? Like, what does the race require? I was going to say, I yeah. felt like, like Sisson's here somewhere. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, gets, he gets to be part of this pod since, you know, he's coaching <laughs> you at this point. Um, but no, the truth is, like, that's how we prepare. When you run Berlin, you got to be able to run fast and you're going to run on a flat terrain. So, like, that doesn't mean you, can take, you should take all your hills out. I don't take hills out when I'm training for, for Berlin because I think it keeps your strength up. And also, when you use those same muscles over and over again, it's very easy to get injured. It's very e easy to, to start tightening up if you're not foam rolling enough and being really disciplined about that. So, for me, I always try to keep the hills in the rotation anyway. But I think what will help you um, for – Boston, if it does go through, is that you'll be training in the heat in Texas, which will be great. Because, and and again, I don't, no one knows what, New England is the most unpredictable weather in the world. I would never try to predict what the weather is going to be, but there's no guarantee. It's going, it's been hot in April many times. I mean, we've had 80 degree days up there in April. So believe me. And then we had our 35 mile an hour of hyper, team hypothermia day, which will- Oh my gosh, which, remember that? You oh, ran yeah. like- the day you ran Boston in the coldest and then you went and ran London in the hottest. Yeah. Like, I mean, Boston has never been perfect weather for me. So I'm like, just throw it at me. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was fun. We were team hypothermia in Boston. <laughs> and then I get on a plane and go to London and it's 83 degrees. And I'm like, I'm seeing people like I'm seeing like double vision and I'm I'm like nine miles in and I'm rolling along Amanda, like everything is fine. Like, I'm like, wow, I feel good. This is actually good. And then around 10 or 11, all of a sudden my brain is literally out loud. Like they're full blown conversations, like going like pull over, go in the port of John, you can stop, you can walk. And I'm like, who's talking to me? Like, who's in my head? There's somebody up there. Like, I don't, I don't approve this message. Get out of my head. And I was just like, okay, I, um, it's so funny because uh, Greg Lemostein somehow manages to end up in all my podcasts and he is a podcaster and he's a friend and he runs for Central Park Track Club, but he always ends up in my, my episodes, whether I'm on a guest as, as I'm on someone's show to as a podcast guest or I'm hosting my own show, but Greg lives in London and he told me where he was going to be on the course. And he told me he was going to take pictures and he's a tremendous photographer. Like he could be a professional photographer. He wasn't doing this. He's got incredible equipment and he shoots the elites and um, sometimes shoots the track meets too that go on in Europe. And he tells me where him and his wife are going to be. And I kept telling myself, well, if I start walking now, then I won't, I, I have to go a couple more miles till I get to where he is. And then I'll stop and I'll actually take pictures like everyone else does in a race. Cause you know, you always see people where they're stopped with their families. I'm like, yeah. I'll just stop. <laughs> so this is what I lie, the lie I concocted with myself. I'm like, <laughs> I'll stop when I see Greg. And the funny part of the story is he got the most amazing pictures of like 
Mo Farah and all the athletes that day, but he has no pictures of Ron runs NYC because God knows where he was when I got to the spot where he was. Cause he probably was like, Oh, he dropped out. Cause I was so far behind. But, like, I'll see you later. Yeah. Mine's not coming. Yeah. He's like, this, this dude's too slow. I'm not taking any pictures of him. So I got to that point. Come he wasn't right. there. Yeah. And I think that was at like 17 or 18. So then I was like, well, I'll just go to like 20 or 21. Then I'll walk for a little bit. I ended up, I don't know. God, it was so slow. But I plotted, no, you're, whatever. I plotted you're through, slow. I plotted through, I made it. Well, on that day, that day I was, trust me. Well, I think anybody would be slow on that day. I mean, I would be. It was the hypothermia. It was 319 Boston and 336 in London. <laughs> that oh was my painful, God. my dear. That was painful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You can't erase, you can't erase your rough days. You gotta, you gotta put those out there too. Right. So right. it's all good. But anyway, um, what else is is top of mind for you? Anything that you're really thinking about other than these cool changes that you're making with your running? Anything else new or cool or exciting? Um, no, I can't really think of anything right now. I guess I'm just kind of like in like chill mode right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just trying to take it day by day and just try and figure out, you know, how to get my miles in and just stay positive and try to, you know, still stay healthy and just keep moving, you know? Yeah. Hey, that's, that's a good approach. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of the advice that that really applies more than anything right now. It's like, you know, people always say, run the mile you're in, um, you know, stay in the day, stay in the moment, you know, focus on like where you are. Cause God, this could swallow you up so quickly. Um, if you, in any direction you go, you could get swallowed up. You know, you're not working right now. Oh no, I need to get a job. And you know, well, how, how are you going to get a job in the smart? Like as each question goes out, you could just fall further into the rabbit hole. I know. And I don't even want to go there. It's no. just not, not really worth it. I mean, you can't, yeah, everybody could be down on themselves right now, but you just got to, Put one foot in front of the other and keep moving. You know, it'll all work out. It always does. You know, that's that's really important because if you if you go even just a few steps too far down the road, that's where you, that's where you can get yourself off plane. So stay focused on the day. You know, and right now the beauty of really not having a plan is, you know, like I said, I I ran three miles before I came on with you because that's all I could squeeze out today. But you know what? That's three beautiful miles. I mean, the truth is there was no purpose at all to them. It was just run into the wind. And then when I turned around, I was running with the wind behind me, but it was just going to be a couple of minutes before you and I got a chance to jump on. And it, it just changed everything in the day because you know what it's yeah. like. I mean, we're rushing yeah. around, we're scrambling. We're just trying to all stay positive, you know, keep ourselves focused and, you know, but when we can't get our runs in, that's when. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. my husband knows. He'll yeah. be like, you got to go on a run. I mean, I don't know what's what, you're in a funk. You got to go on a run. He'll push me out the door. And yeah. sometimes it's easier than others, but yeah, no, you're right. It's the one thing that is just keeping us grounded right now. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> wise, wise words. And uh, one other uh, thought I'd just like to share with everybody for the whole audience. I think right now, so many of us feel, you know, just if we a lot of times when you feel powerless, because, you know, living through 9-11, being right there in New York City when that happened. And then I had a townhome destroyed by Hurricane Sandy and we rebuilt it. And so did other members of my community that lived in the water. Other members that were a block or two away, their homes were fine. So like it's the agony and ecstasy. You're on this block, 
you're destroyed, you're a block away, you're okay. But when you go through those experiences, there's this enormous feeling of helplessness because if you can't fix other people's problems or maybe be part of the group that's fixing it, like, you know, the rescue workers, the police and the firemen and all those personnel that are running into those buildings, they're heroes for a reason. And we applaud them and and we're so grateful and thankful for their service. But we feel guilty because, hey, what can we do? We can't go into that building. We can't save anyone, right? And now the same thing is playing out because our healthcare workers and the frontline people, the emergency rescue squads and the ambulance people, and obviously anybody, a nurse, a doctor, the surgeons, you know, critical care people that are working in the hospitals or healthcare systems, they're just overwhelmed right now. So we see the pain and the suffering that they're having to endure of having family members, you know, potentially dying in front of them and they can't even see their own family members. So we feel all that anguish and pain and grief for them. And these are friends of mine. They're colleagues of mine, people. I run our healthcare technology business. So I work with hospital health systems. So it's an overwhelming feeling of like, like sadness and grief. But I always, I want to leave everybody with one just really important notion. It's okay to be happy with all this stuff that's going on that's sad and bad. Like I know people have told me I feel guilty feeling happy because I went on a run or I feel guilty because I know my friend is a nurse and she's working 20 hour shifts. Hey, there's no rhyme or reason to a lot of these things in life. And we need to share happiness. We need to share some joy because we've got to find the light and we got to help each other. And for the people that are suffering or down, we all got to do our part. Like maybe we can't go to the hospital and work with those patients. And, you know, but maybe we can send masks. Maybe we can send meals. I know I have, and friends of mine have, there's a lot of people that are doing things like that. Figure out ways that you can help. However, it may not seem significant, but trust me, sending a bunch of pizzas to some nurses and doctors in a hospital is a big deal. When they, the last thing they're thinking about is what are they going to eat? You know, they're thinking about how many hours they're going to be on their feet and how many hours they're like literally in a fog. And wow, if somebody sends over bagels or pizza, it could it can make a big difference. So think about some little things like that you might be able to do in your own community, whether it's in Austin, New York City or anywhere else. So because runners, we're good people, man. We care about the people around us. So let's let's step up. Yep, we do. All right, girl. Well, listen. It's been so awesome to see you and chat with you. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for making the time to come on. It's great to see you. And I can't wait till we're back to those times when we can all be at a race and exchange some hugs and do some fun selfies, which you all love to do. And uh, just say, I always say as my sign off, always remember to stay in the fight. Thank you. (laughs) Love and hugs to you and Simon. Love and hugs to you. Thanks, Ron. It's been fun. Okay. Take care, my friend. Wow. That was such a fun chat with Amanda. How can you not love her energy and passion for our sport? How can you not root for her? Just lost her job and just has such a positive attitude about that. And just, and life and running overall about just keeping one foot in front of the other to keep moving and how important it is to keep running because it keeps us grounded. Isn't that a great overall message to roll out with? It was fun to hear the different areas that Amanda has added to her running practice to strengthen her, to make her an all-around better runner, a more well-rounded runner, and a healthier runner. 
it, from every possible aspect, from nutrition, from strength, from mobility, from balance, and then even working on the mental component with uh, doing hypnotherapy and working on mindset. So I think she's really covering her running from end to end. She's working with a phenomenal team. Team Rogue is one of the top teams in the country um, in terms of results and and the kind of runners they have in their stable. It's it's a super impressive group of runners um, across the board, and they show up. and I think they push each other, they challenge each other. And Amanda just fits that that feisty spirit. Um, they just work so well together in in small groups and big groups and push each other to achieve results. So the opportunity to work with a great team like that is something I encourage to all runners who are listening to the podcast, wherever you are, if you have that opportunity to join a good running club team and find partners like Amanda has, it will definitely benefit your running greatly. So, you know, look into that wherever you are, even if you're a new runner or beginning runner or somebody who's been away from the sport for a long time, it's a great way to find training partners to motivate you keep your enthusiasm for the sport up and your energy levels up, particularly at a time like this when there really aren't going to be any races for the foreseeable future. So right now, more than ever, you need to build a network like Amanda has where you can rely upon other runners to keep each other up in times when things can be down and the news can be, you know, gloomy and depressive, you know, with all the COVID-19 information that is so pervasive in the news and rightly so. Um, it's it's really tough to process and we've never needed running more now. So just keep on lacing them up and get out that door and focus on what you can control, which is getting some miles in. They don't have to be hard. They don't have to be anything other than running therapy at this point to keep your head focused. And, you know, I thought, um, you know, Amanda's story is just, just super exciting and it's inspirational to see somebody have that type of growth. She's worked really, really hard to get the results that she has. And it's, again, it's, it's an inspirational and fun story to follow. So make sure you get over to her Instagram page, run with Amanda, follow her on Strava, see the kind of miles she's logging, see the kind of work she's doing and follow her post, man. She has a great energy and passion for sports and for sharing uh, community. So you can see some of the things she's doing by tracking her and following her on Instagram, her posts and her stories and uh, her love for the sport and sharing that enthusiasm for what we're all trying to do, which is get better at this beautiful sport of running. And if it did, if this episode did move you and inspire you in any way, please share it with your friends. Uh, please tell them to sign up for Run Chats and subscribe. If you have a moment and you take the time to rate the episode or write a review on Amanda, something about the show that stuck out or really you know, energized you or got it going for you, take a moment, um, let us know. I'm sure it would make Amanda feel great. It would certainly make me feel great. And it might be just the kind of thing a, an old running friend or old buddy would need to get themselves back into the sport and get their get their juices flowing again by you know sharing a podcast like this such a such an awesome story um, like Amanda has. So thank you all um, for anybody who has taken the time to subscribe to my show and to take a moment to write a review on any of the episodes that we posted to this point. It means a lot. It helps us find new listeners for the show and really helps us grow and and spread a positive message out there in the run community. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for anyone who's done that or who will do that in the future and appreciate you all so much. I wish you nothing but love and health 
and safety in these crazy times. Just keep getting out the door, stay strong, stay positive like Amanda, and good things will come. So thanks again for being part of the show. And Amanda, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time with me and sharing all that wonderful stuff that you're doing that's having an impact on your running. So thanks so much for spending time with me and sitting across from me on the computer, seeing your face and your energy and positivity definitely helped my state of mind as well. So thanks so much for joining. I appreciate you all. And just want to say as we're rolling out here to always remember to stay in the fight. God bless you all. Peace out. Take care.